Welcome to 24 Karis. I'm Kelly Johnson, the founder and CEO of Karis by KJE. Um, our firm is a strategy consulting and leadership development firm specializing in DEI. And we, through this podcast, really like to bring thought leadership, expertise, and advice. Today, we're going to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion from a financial perspective. And who better to help me do that than our very own CFO? So today, we have Terrence Hutchins here. Um, I'm really excited about this conversation. Now, we cut up a little bit, so we're going to try to act tame today. <laughs> but um, Terrence has a great background, 15 years experience in the financial industry, graduated from University of North Texas. He's a dad um, and a friend of mine as well. He also runs a RIA. There you I, go. But I can't even remember what that stands for. Retirement Investment? Registered. Registered. Investment <laughs> <advisor>. <laughs> I, I told you, I always want to call it an IRA. So what is it again? Registered Investment Advisor. Yes, there, there go. we go. So he's really smart with numbers and that's what matters the most. So. I'm excited to talk to you about this because it happened a little organically. Like this topic came up in one of our kind of financial mm -hmm. reviews uh, that I just have so much fun in. Right. But uh, <laughs> but we just started talking about kind of the bottom line impact of um, DEI and, and on the financial perspective, the bottom line. So with that, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Yes, thanks for the invitation. Uh, I was a little nervous as you started, but. Um Generally, we have these conversations once a week, roughly. Yes. So we'll just be on camera, I guess, and talk to the audience a little bit about some of the things we discuss on a weekly or monthly basis. Yep, absolutely. So this should be easy for you. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> okay, so let's dive in and talk about, you know, I think you always bring just a very different view and perspective in all of our conversations, which is an aspect of diversity, right? I mean, you're clearly way more financially oriented than I am and probably more than I prefer to be. Mm -hmm. um, so when you think about the work that we do at Karis and kind of the financial context of it, what, what comes to mind for you? So I think that a lot of um, companies look at diversity or equity inclusion kind of as something that they have to do just because in the, the media or the social construct. Uh, but as I think about it, I think one, just as a person, yeah. one, you want to make sure that everyone that you work with feels accepted and included. And I think the benefit of that just for as an employer or a financial leader or someone who's looking at you know, spreadsheets and making sure the numbers make sense is worker productivity. Uh, you know, you know how it is to go into work and maybe not want to be there. Or if you went to work and you didn't feel like the people you worked with understood you or you could relate to you. And I recall just being a minority and specifically, you know, taking uh, honors classes and things where you were aware of diversity because you were on the outskirts, right? Everyone else looked different than you for the most part. And when you're young, you don't really see that in the same way. But as you get older, depending on your environment, you kind of understand, are my differences, do they matter? Mm. And I think one of the things that you just prioritize in, in, a, in, in a very diverse environment is just making sure that you can start understanding people who don't look like you, who don't have the same background that you have, and you look to learn about them and ultimately accept who they are. And I think in companies, we're so focused on 
driving our bottom line on our goals, our initiatives, that it's more of a challenge to stop and think, well, how are these people that I'm depending on, <laughs> how are they doing? And mm-hmm. I remember the show Undercover Boss, mm-hmm. where the, the people would come in and they would observe like what actually happens, how is the sauce actually made? <laughs> and it's like, wait, we're just making decisions in a boardroom. We don't see how that translates to the people that we're having to deal with. And so I think as an organization, it's important to just say, hey, let's talk about our people. Let's make sure that you know, we have a diverse group. We're getting different ideas from people. Uh, the people that we have like coming to work. When they come to work, they'll, they're more productive. <laughs> they miss less days. And that productivity leads to being, us being more profitable. And so I think it can make sense. One, just, you know, you're valuing the people you work with, but also, you know, as your company, as it grows. Yeah. So how did you make that leap? I mean, you, you talked a little bit about having personal experience, knowing that you're different than most of the people around you. How did you make that leap of understanding the value of diversity uh, from a financial perspective? Because, I, I mean, we work with a lot of people some people instantly get it, yeah. right? They instantly see the value. And then others who might be a little bit more um, analytical mm-hmm. or very kind of, are we in the black or are we in the red? Yeah. You know, speak their love language. Right, exactly, uh, <laughs> exactly. How, how did you make that transition? Well, I kind of remember back, this was probably about a decade ago. I was with a prior firm and I was actually at a conference for African-American financial professionals. Mm. And there was an older white gentleman that was talking and he had referenced a story where he spoke to a lady who was African-American and he said that he had realized for the first time that he never had to think about his race. Mm. And he was probably 50, I would guess. (laughs) But that really opened my eyes that unless you see it, you don't really see it. But now that you get exposed to it, it's really a matter of what you do with that information. Now in the investment or financial space, there's this thing called ESG. So environmental, social, and corporate governance. And ESG effectively says how much is a company looking out for social positivity? What are they doing to help move along the society outside of just trying to earn a profit? And so there's many debates in relation to are the things that are good for corporate governance or for the society, are they also good for your bottom line? And there are a lot of studies out there that may debate, but what you can't debate when it comes to a workforce is retention. And I was actually looking at a couple numbers just as we were talking about talking through this concept a little bit further. And we're in this era of the great resignation. You've heard that terminology in the media. And it actually said that 57% of the workforce turned over in 2020. And so you think effectively, and and, and most of that turnover, it was about 40%, I believe, came with people who started in their first six months. Wow. So they start and they immediately feel like, oh, this is not for me. Wow. And six months later, they're out. And so I know that, you know, for our organization, it cost us you know, in excess of $4,000 just to hire somebody as far as their technology and all the stuff we provide for them, not including the recruiting, uh, and then also just the mental capital of the people that may have left. And there was actually a, a study that 
estimated it takes about six to nine months of someone's salary. So if someone makes $100,000, it costs about sixty dollars to $90,000 to replace that person once they've left. And you think about, because now I have to train this new person, and that takes the other person away. Generally, there's a gap between when that person leaves and the new person comes in, and so that pulls other people away from right. their job, so they're having to cover. So that also leads to, I like my job, but now I'm overworked <laughs> because we're understaffed. And so that problem can compound, in addition to today in an inflationary environment, mm. if you want to talk to my financial people out there, <laughs> whenever someone quits a job, it's probably because of money. And so when someone else gets hired, generally you may have to pay them more than the person that just left. And so when you're thinking about your bottom line, if I can reduce my um, retention, or sorry, my turnover, if I can reduce my turnover, ultimately I'm going to spend less cost. I'm going to have less cost associated with my overhead. And generally that money is just profit because it doesn't have a lot. There's no real line item uh, for turnover <laughs> that we mm -hmm. plan for. We know it's a part of the business. But the less that that number can be intangibly, and then also tangibly when we think about hey, our, why did our sales go up last quarter? Well, you know, we lost a major employee or a key person. Um, or you know what, we, we could have expanded, but we didn't have the people to do it. And so that dynamic will stunt our growth, which doesn't always show up, but it, it is reflected in the people that come to work every day yeah. and they're being overworked. And also just the fact that you kind of squeeze your margins when you're having intangible costs that show up tangibly right. <laughs> and your profits get smaller. So if you're able to solve that, then ultimately you will drive more profitability to your company. That's huge. I mean, I hadn't heard the stat that you said about um, much of that turnover was within the first six months. And I remember when I was uh, leading um, talent acquisition for campus hires, mm -hmm. for campus recruiting, you know, we were able to get to a point where we could analyze data of that employee's onboarding experience and the impact around retention. Yeah. So uh, if, and it, it took us three years to fix it, to yeah. fix the onboarding experience to where if an employee had a great onboarding experience, they were not only more likely to stay, but they were also more likely to refer the company to their friends, yep. right? And so to hear that so many people during this great resignation are leaving within the first six months, to me, that's like, you know, red flag yeah. that we're not paying attention to engagement, inclusion um, in that onboarding experience to where people are finding the right culture, the yep. right workplace culture when they get there. Because I already know, likely because of inflation, but salaries are a lot higher right now yep. than they were three years ago or pre-pandemic. So people are getting paid more, mm -hmm. but I actually, I slightly disagree that people are leaving for more money. I think that's a part of the equation, mm -hmm. but people are actually making, generally speaking, higher salaries than they would have pre-COVID, mm -hmm. but that's still not enough um, to, to keep them, obviously, so. Yeah. Um I think obviously whenever someone leaves, there's a, a multitude of factors. Yeah. But as you said, I almost think about you know going back to whenever you were dating, mm -hmm. and uh, if you went on a blind date, or your friend recommended you to go talk to somebody, 
And a lot of times that initial chemistry, you kind of understand, ah, I don't know if this person is for me. <laughs> right. And some people grow on you. But a lot of times if that initial reaction is not great, then many times people will have a bad taste in their mouth. They'll feel like they made a bad decision. And that wears on them. Yeah. And if your company is not intentional about making sure that those people feel like they're accepted or they, they, they put things in place to help them. One of the things that I saw was it said that people who feel like their company invests in their learning yes. will stay 90. It was like it was like 90 percent of people said that was one of the things that they valued that caused them to stay at their organization. So money is not everything. Uh, it may show up on the bottom line that way. <laughs> but obviously the way your comp- the people feel about your company is so important and how you initially embrace them and help them to know that you care, you're looking to understand even if you don't, yeah. then, uh, and then you also just prioritize building that person up through education, through mm-hmm. helping them be aware of their biases. Is mm-hmm. that's, I know that's one thing that, that you guys uh, <laughs> talk to companies about. And so I think all those things are just so important, and many times they don't always show up uh, in a corporate boardroom per se, but they are definitely important to keep in mind to help not only the health of the empl- the employees, but also the company in general. Yeah, yeah. So good conversation. We're going to continue it. Um, we'll be back. I think if I look at the takeaway here, it really is around, you know, there's a tangible and an intangible cost to inclusion, employee engagement, and turnover. And if I'm Hearing you correctly, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion can really impact the bottom line just in retention alone. So thanks for shedding some light. Um, We're going to have you back, so stay put. But thank you for tuning in to 24 Karis, uh, where we help you. We actually partner with you to live a committed uh, workplace culture around diversity, equity, and inclusion 24-7, 365. Thanks for tuning in.